Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today we're talking about the cop who shot and killed Jordan Edwards being charged with murder. And did the Ferguson activist really commit suicide? That and more on Justice is Served. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is Served. Oh, I can hear myself. <laughs> What's happening here? All right, everybody, welcome to Justice is Served, where a panel of lawyers talk the legal news of the last week. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chelsea Galicia. I am joined by fellow attorneys Yemi Ibayami and Shaka Smith. Hello, everyone. Hey. What's Hi. Up? Uh, we have an odd lineup of stories today to get into, and I guess we shall just dive uh, right in. The first one is like one of those ironic uh, good news in the worst of circumstances, the Jordan Edwards update. So just a week ago, was it just like a week or a week yeah. and a half ago, that Jordan Edwards was riding in a car that a cop, Roy Oliver, said was backing up into him. Aggressively, yes. When Roy Oliver shot into the car, yeah. killing Jordan Edwards. Three days later, the police department, this was in a suburb in Dallas, fired him. Yeah. So that was a step in the right direction. And then we all waited with abated breath about whether or not he was actually going to be charged criminally. Yeah. Hallelujah, yes he was. Yeah. Uh, a murder charge, in fact. Um, and so what's next? Well, it's certainly appropriate given the fact, uh, the circumstances of the case. So, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised here. Uh, I certainly thought they were going to try and take care of this quickly. I almost think the um, the the tenor of the Trump presidency makes people want to like appear really to be very fair in some respects. You know, um, to not be That's tied. An interesting note. Yeah, I yeah. hadn't thought of that. It's but sort of it like with the ammunition sales have dropped now that Trump is president, but like they rise when someone like Barack was president because they thought he would take away all the guns. So <laughs> it's almost that sort of like. But now they're taking An care of business because, balance. yeah. Interesting. Okay, so he, uh, he can face, obviously, lifetime in, yeah. in prison for this. The, the big question is whether a jury will actually convict him. Will they believe that the officer was reasonably in fear for his life? Is, is that the only foreseeable defense that you see the now former officer putting forward? I mean that's typically the the defense that you that you get. I mean they get a lot of I think police officers get a lot of leeway because they're operating in the line of duty. They have to make snap decisions. Um, and in, in being able to say that I was in reasonable fear for my life is kind of a, the get out of jail free card. And so I wouldn't be surprised. Literally if that's yeah. get out of jail free card. Yeah, I'm still reminded of the the uh, the author in the Rodney King beating how that was sort of like the officers needed to use that amount of force. But with this one, we have the body cams. They haven't been released, but we have the body cams. So I think the jury will get to see that, and we're going to have some very clear video of what took place. I think that's gonna, what's going to make it challenging for this officer, given what the um, head of the department has been saying, how yeah. the, the story of Roy Oliver, the officer, has been inconsistent with what the body cam shows, yeah. um, and that it shows that the kids were just you know driving away from the party. Um, you know that, that makes it tough for Oliver to then say that I was in fear for my life. There should be an additional charge for lying. You know, yeah. a false police report. You and I would get in trouble for a false police yeah. report. That is a false police report of epic proportions. So that should also have been a charge. Maybe it was. I did not see. Did you see any additional charges? I didn't. But I can see them wanting to avoid that because I think they do not want to kind of have the image of the police line or the police people as liars on, you know, about certain cases. So at least they might want to paint this in a... It, it, 
he made a bad reaction call sort of deal. A ba- right. Well, so, yes, he made a bad reaction call, but wouldn't a police department want to call out ind- individual officers, these bad apples, who are fabricating police reports? Like fully outing uh, them. Well, I Especially think- when it's... I, I documented think, and clear, and there's no... No, because, you know, now you can say maybe he misperceived the situation as opposed to he, you know, falsified Well, misperceived, report. you can't misperceive because murder requires an intent. And, you know, the intent was to cause or put himself in a situation that very likely was going to cause... No, misperceived that maybe... Insane from, bodily harm. No, saying that, you know, the ten, the tension of the, the scene, he thought the car was reversing as a, opposed to going forward. How do you think, the like, when you're looking at a car... Going forward. Sometimes I've seen a car move, you know, in a winding manner where I'm not sure initially. I, I hope the camera is going. like focused in on Yummy's face because she's like, I am not buying this for a second. Listen, let me play Kelly and Conway for a second. Sometimes... So allow us to roll our eyes yeah. in the pain of Anderson Cooper. But but I, I think the point is they'd rather portray that as you know the officer misperceiving the situation regarding the reverse, you know, the going forward rather than um, the officer lying. Oh, that's very nice PR work of you. No, I, mean, I think that's what they're doing because they, they certainly don't want it to kind of be the message that officers lie about crime scenes. So well, they know they're already going to get him for the murder. Then they might. Yeah, you know. I, I would love to see what that body cam footage shows. And, uh, yeah. you know. It, it, it may show enough of a melee that he may have initially believed. No. I mean, I, there is no I way that he'll this still guy get charged with murder a week after this happened. If there's mm-hmm. anything questionable mm-hmm. on that body cam, true. this true. is probably that open is and closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but oh, we thought Walter Scott was open and closed, and that one yeah. didn't turn out to be but that way. I do way. think this guy will be convicted. So. Yes. Oh, let's hope so. All right. And then a bizarre set of circumstances surrounding the death of a Ferguson activist who died of a gunshot wound in the back of a car. His name was Edward Crawford, and this happened last Thursday night. Question is whether the authorities are accurate in calling it a suicide. Uh, It looks a bit suspicious because he would be the third activist in Ferguson to die in a very similar fashion. This also happened with Darren Seals in 2016 and DeAndre Joshua the night that the verdict came down in 2014. And there was other specific incidents about this um, uh, Edward Crawford death that, you know, he was the father of four who had just gotten a new job and was said to be really happy and excited about that and that there were maybe other people in the car. And so you put all those circumstances together and people don't normally kill themselves when they're in a good mood or happy about getting a new job. Um, the fact that he was a father of four may or may not you know, be something towards that he would not commit suicide. But I think how many people, not many, kill themselves in front of others? And if there really were two other people in this car, such that there were probably two other women in the car, that it's very unlikely that he would have committed suicide. Do you guys have some personal theories about what really happened here? Well, they're saying it could be an accident as well. You know, uh, if there was some sort of clean of the gun or, you know, hanging out with the do gun. Do cars get clean? I mean, do guns get cleaned in the backseat of a car? Yeah, so, I mean, you know. It may, maybe not even clean, but if but you're yeah. fiddling with it. I, I don't have a gun. I've not, I've not, I'm not too familiar with how easy it is for them yeah. to go off accidentally. But if you're fiddling, playing around with it, trying to shift something, perhaps it's possible to accidentally or if the gun do that. Or if you're just being a, a little bit careless, too. Yeah. 
So we just don't have enough facts. <laughs> we just don't have enough facts. Yeah, I thought it was odd that, that it wasn't clear whether there were people in the car or whether yeah. he was by him. I just don't understand how you don't know that whether there were people yeah. in the car or not. But it seems that this guy was in the back seat of the car when he was shot, and the other two individuals that you mentioned were also shot, yeah. um, but their cars lit on fire. Um, and this car, I don't believe, was lit on no, fire. not that I read. Right. Yeah. Right. It's bizarre. It, yeah. I'm going to... I'm going to... My, I don't... Yeah, no, I'm not going <laughs> to buy the suicide thing. No. No. You're going with uh, accidental? I just think there's not a lot of information to even know I what happened other than yeah. the, he was a shot. And a, he's yeah, dead, he yeah. Is, ha, has been shot and he was in a car. The important thing, though, is that these questions are being asked yeah. and that it's not being swept under the rug and being like, oh, yeah, open and shut, suicide, moving on. Yeah. It doesn't look like the people of Ferguson, even a couple of the uh, political representatives, at least one in particular, is very vocal about this incident and how suspicious it appears. And so if we talk about it, it will help the chances that other people continue to talk about it and that there's a more thorough investigation. Yeah, it's very Yeah, bizarre. I mean, it seems to me, for me, I think the first two shootings where the two individuals, you know, on separate dates were both shot in the head and the car was set in, on fire, at least that established some sort mm -hmm. of, like, modus operandi. But in this case where the guy was in the car potentially with other people, I yeah. don't know that someone would plan to shoot this guy in front of other people. Um, with it out, without it just being him, maybe doing it himself. himself. I, I just don't know. But I guess we'll wait to see, you know, when more information comes out. I don't think the autopsy had been completed at the time. Yeah. Um, so that I thought that I thought was interesting that the the, the police officers they immediately called it a suicide. suicide. Yeah. Um, so maybe that had to do with those individuals in the car reporting it as such, or otherwise I don't know how they came to such a quick conclusion without an autopsy. Yeah. We shall see. Hopefully we'll hear more about that. And then an Aaron Hernandez update. You know, obviously he has died, and so the only update is about what happens to the murder conviction. And this week the judge basically tossed it and we yeah. talked about that that was very likely what was going to happen yeah, even though yeah. he had been convicted several years ago of the murder of Odin Lloyd because he had appealed that and that appeals process had not been complete when he died the law sort of says you didn't get your full shot at justice conviction vacated right uh, and that's what happened here but that's not really the end of the story yeah so the prosecution is appealing um, that um, vacating that ruling and I think a lot of it might come down to the letter he wrote to his girlfriend, the last letter he wrote he left in the cell. He put in parentheses, you're rich, um, as he's writing to her. And that might stem from the contract, the money, $6 million he's supposed to get from the Patriots, that would now he'd be eligible to get with conviction being vacated. Uh, so I think if a judge were to find the whole suicide were for nefarious reasons other than it's kind of like buying you know, a life insurance policy but then killing yeah. yourself and if they find that you caused your own death you whoever was named the beneficiary of that insurance yeah, policy typically doesn't, doesn't receive get it, it. Yeah. yeah so i could see a judge ruling in that way though this is the rule that the conviction gets vacated once the person's dead so so, so it was the letter to um the the girlfriend the or girlfriend. to the daughter to the girlfriend okay and you know you're rich underline but how would the my question? How would the girl? Because they weren't married. Because the money's going to go to the daughter, but nobody under eighteen can receive money, so the her guardian would receive it. Yes, but is that the girl? I guess that's yeah. yes, the mother. All right. <laughs> no one's, so no I, one's I, getting. I, no one. <laughs> were, were there any other details released about what was in that letter? 
Well, the full letter was released. Yeah. Oh, how did I miss that? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had an interesting. Were each of the letters released? No, just that just one. Just the one to the mother. To the so yeah, the, the mother of the daughter. Mm-hmm, the yeah. mother of the daughter. Anything else interesting in there? Um, no, everything was standard. You know. Did he know that? Did his lawyers tell him that if you commit? Because who? Because we as lawyers didn't know that that rule existed. Did the Did the lawyer tell Aaron that? By the way, if you, if you kill yourself, die, that your conviction will be vacated well, he, and you'll therefore get your money from your team and therefore your daughter will be able to live rich? I'm wondering how did you... He might have asked it. He might have said, is there any way... He might have asked the lawyer, is there any way she gets this money? And he probably was like, not unless you're dead, you know, (laughs) thinking, you know, it was tongue-in-cheek. But who knows? But I'm I'm sure it was something he investigated because he seemed to know you're rich. Or maybe he just thought maybe she'll make money from a book deal. And and that's another thing. Like, if it could be shown that he could have meant any number of things and this wasn't necessarily the plan to get this money hand-in-hand... Um, to get the conviction vacated, then I think, you know, it'll be very likely for the conviction, to, um, the vacation to stand. Yeah. And what else has come out is sort of his disciplinary record inside the prison, which showed that he was not a stand-up uh, prisoner. Yeah. Uh, he had, I can't remember how many sort of infractions for Blocking the fights door and, and things of that nature. Um, none of that really matters now, but it is interesting. And it's not surprising, he, though. I mean, he had such a attitude questionable kind of like criminal background even before before these murders happened i think from the time that he was a young kid and before he entered the league he was in and out of legal trouble so i'm not surprised that that behavior continues inside the prison and now for a really like devastating story and also a surprising sentence at least in my eyes a man got 40 years for throwing boiling hot water on two men who were sleeping in a living room. Yeah, this was a really, really awful story. Um, I guess Martin Blackwell uh, was the came home a trucker. I think it who wasn't came, even his home. Right, he He's came a to long his long distance truck driver, and this was just a house that he stayed at when he was in town. And I thought it was his girlfriend's house. Oh, I, I don't know, but it wasn't his. So so the, so so how I understood it was that Marquez Tolbert and Anthony Gooden um, sometimes from time to time after their work shift they'll come home um, I think to his one of them one of their parents' house and sleep and rest after a long shift and they had did, done this on this night where they were in the living room on a mattress um, gone to sleep after a long day's of work. This trucker had come to the home. Uh, in the middle of the night and sees these two men on the living room floor. Uh, and I think just earlier that day, perhaps those two individuals had just come out to the family that well, they were... It, right. It was a little bit before this happened, just recently, and the two men had only been said to have been dating for like six weeks. Yeah, so it was a short time, but they came out um, as gay. And uh, so this trucker came home middle of the night, saw these two men sleeping on the living room floor. S- told police they looked like hot dogs like stuck together so I just threw a little hot water on them to help them separate and so he took his time like went to the kitchen put water in the pot allowed it to boil to really 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 hot and you know came back into the living room and just and and poured it over both of them and both of them suffered second and third degree burns um, and were in the hospital for one of them was in a medical induced coma the other one wears uh, compression garments 23 hours a day they've had a ton of surgeries just they can't go outside really in the heinous. sun without, you know, feeling like they're burning. I mean, really awful, awful mental and results. emotional traumas too. 
Um, and so the, the man who did this to them, Martin Blackwell, guilty of eight counts of aggravated battery and two counts of aggravated assault, gives him 40 years. I mean, the reason that that seemed high to me is like 40 years, that's what you, you, I mean, that's more than you get sometimes for killing people. Did you think that the number of years that he got was surprising? No, I thought it was like two lives were essentially really changed. Almost that one life ended and a new one had to begin, really. So I thought it was appropriate at the time. I think it's appropriate. I just was surprised given how many times that we see True. people kill other people yeah. and I, they get like 20 I think years. The premeditation of this in terms of having to wait and sit and continue and, and to showed, do this. Yeah. And he showed no remorse. He yeah. said, that, he said that I poured a little hot water on them. They'll be okay. And I don't know whether at the time he realized the severity of the damage that he caused at the yeah. time that he made that statement. Um, but clearly they're not okay. I mean, one of them had uh, burns over 60% of his body. Um, so it was particularly egregious. In this case, they weren't able to charge him uh, with a hate crime, that which sometimes can you yeah. know add on some years yeah. um, because the state didn't have doesn't have a hate crime law. Georgia in, is only one of five states that doesn't have a hate crime statute, although it is being considered that to perhaps charge him with a federal hate crime. Yeah. Oh, and, and right, because because he, he also said during that when he poured the water on them, get this gay out of my house or something like that. He mm -hmm. he made a, a specific remark during the time. Ugh. And they actually had to, I mean, he literally kicked them out of the house after he had poured this water on them. They were going from neighbor to neighbor trying to find someone who would help them. And they got turned away a few times. Wow. And then they ran into friends who then helped them um, call the police and go to the hospital. Wow. I didn't know those details. Awful, yeah. awful, awful story. All right. But this story is a little, leaves me a little hopeful. We've talked several times on this show about bail being used unfairly to basically makes it a crime to be poor. Mm. Uh, and one judge, a federal district court judge in Houston, has ruled that under some circumstances, including this one specific case before her, that bail is unconstitutional. She wrote a lengthy, like, 193-page opinion saying that bail should be used for people charged with misdemeanors only in the narrowest of cases, and even then, only when there are strong safeguards in place to make sure that defendants receive fair due process before being locked up. Because we have seen so many times that somebody can go to, to jail for an expired <clears throat> license, right? And they can't make bail of even, you know, $2,500 or something like that. They lose, you know, their kids. They lose a job. Housing situation. I mean, this turns lives upside down. Yeah. Um, and so this makes a lot of sense to me. The most amazing part of this story to me was the the prosecutor of the case said, no, 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 you don't understand. People choose to stay in jail. It's not that they can't <laughs> afford to get out. It's that sometimes it's cold outside and they want to stay in jail. And the judge, God bless her, was like, that is the same argument people used to say about slavery, mm -hmm. that they slaves actually enjoyed it. Yeah. So I, I can't believe somebody even tried that argument in 2017. But be that as it may, this sets us up to continue the appeals process to, to perhaps the Supreme Court hearing this issue of when is bail appropriate and when is it not. Yeah. Do you guys think it'll make it that far up all the way to the Supreme Court? 
I think this judge raised some really good points in terms of, you know, you shouldn't be forced to stay in um, in jails for days just because you can't afford bail. And in the case that um, this case arose from was a lady who was driving on an expired license and her bail was set at twenty five hundred dollars. and she had to spend two nights in jail. She was not a flight risk. She didn't pose a danger to society. And I think this judge really tried to emphasize the fact that it can't just be uh, place bail and don't take into account, uh, you know, the person's ability to pay and you're not taking into account whether they're a flight risk or whether they're a danger. Bail Um, is supposed to be an analysis of the flight risk. Yeah. That's it. Uh, Well, and, and danger to community, you know, perhaps in the meantime. But... In a case where uh, driving on an expired license, yeah, you should be able to go home. And, and the and the judge also raised the issue of you know how effective is it? You know, sometimes you impose bail, but does um, first off there's it's disp- disparate treatment because we know the poor really can't pay, and then people who do have the money are able to kind of walk scot free while they're awaiting their trial. Um, but two, does the imposition of bail actually cause more uh, more um, it defend, or does it cause more defendants to actually return to court, or d- does it not? That's not actually been shown that it that it's super effective. Yeah. Anyhow, so um, the judge raised some interesting questions, but I thought it was important that she raised the fact that you have to take into account certain factors before just slapping people with uh, a bail amount that might really cause them to almost force them into a, into a life of destitution and crime because you know you go to you go yeah. to jail you lose your job because you weren't supposed to miss work your children were taken away from you because yeah. no one was um, there to take care of them and now like I'm, I'm almost forced to turn to a life of crime in order to get myself or try to get myself on my feet again yeah. how, how far do you think this case is going to go. Well, I don't think it'll be heard by the Supreme Court. Uh, oh, come on. I no, really want I it to. I think they probably won't touch this one in terms of, you know, bail. They like the status quo. And so I don't think they'll touch this one. But it, but it seems like you know people people are um, raising these bail questions throughout various jurisdictions. So even if it's not something that reaches the, the Supreme Court, it's something that courts and judges are definitely evaluating across well, a variety. Right, of and yeah. the more that this happens across the country in different districts, by the time it does go to the Supreme Court, Supreme Court will look at what different district uh, rulings have been across the country to get a sense of where the country's, like, head and heart is on this issue. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe this one won't go, but I think the more of these that we have, the the likelihood that something will be fixed on this front. I don't think that anything will change without a Supreme Court decision because yeah. of the fact that these this bail mm-hmm. setup is really backed by, like, multinational um, corporations, these insurance companies, and you know, to their huge profits. Mm-hmm. And so, when you have that much money lobbying behind the status quo, it's very difficult to change legislatively unless you've got some really courageous legislators. Otherwise, we have the Supreme Court that will hopefully make this right. Yeah, you have right. So you have the corporate interest behind it, and you also have the jail systems who use this cash bail system as a as a revenue generator as well. So. Uh, they have an interest in using cash bail as well. I'm a little bummed by Shaka not being so hopeful about this going to the Supreme Court. <laughs> gotta be, gotta tell you. Um, okay, just giving them a hard time. Um, all right, this was really a fascinating article to me that I found in the LA Times. How much is the city of LA, our city here, where our taxpayer dollars go, paying in settlements? Um, 
Quite a bit, actually. It so turns out of oh. eighty-one million dollars in legal million. settlements just, just this, last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of them were for um, wrongful convictions. Two men were wrongfully convicted of murder. Each spent twenty-five years behind bars, and they got a combined uh, settlement of twenty-four million dollars. Uh, a fifteen, uh, no, a young boy got fifteen million dollars because he was shot by a police officer and became paralyzed. Another case where a officer shot a man who he thought was holding a gun, but really it was a cell phone, got seven million. And so there are three cases that have added up to uh, thirty-nine million. So the largest one being to one guy. Cash Delano Register, who was convicted of a 1979 murder, spent 34 years. That is my entire lifetime. Wow. I'm not even 34 yet, but pretty dang close. Mm -hmm. And got $16.7 million. A a man named Bruce Lisker got $7.6 million for being framed by the LAPD for killing his mom. Spent 26 years in prison. Um, So what we see is that it's not that there are a whole lot of these cases. It's that there are a few, but these few get some big uh, payouts. Yeah. Some of them, they've tried to litigate. One of them went up to the Supreme Court. It actually ended up costing the city more because they originally thought to settle for like something like $4.5 million, and then they ended up having to pay like 6 or $7 million. So they've tried the way of litigate it all the way to the top, and then some of them are just like, settle quickly to contain the costs but still it's it's been some pretty steep payouts um to people how did that land with you when you saw that oh i I thought it was great so maybe they'll take 60 million and just invest that in better policing techniques better laboratory techniques so that there's no overturned convictions no wrong convictions in the first place (laughs) and no people framing individuals and planting uh Introducing a faulty evidence yeah, so, uh, into trial. So oversight. So you know, if eighty-one million is where it's at, where it's at, where it it's at then you like, know, it was something almost like two hundred and sixty something in the last five years. Yeah. Can you imagine if even half of that was available for like our schools? Let's yeah. say, like, what a difference. Or if that they would just make? took fifty million of that and put it into better techniques overall, then you know, training and you know, all across the board, then we'd have a better police force. And yeah, know. and and they're they're thinking that these. Uh, kinds of wrongful conviction cases will reduce as we rely less and less on eyewitness testimony and more and more on forensic science. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But still, like, really, there's something about it that is still upsetting. I I don't know. It takes me into this whole thing about whether um, police officers should carry insurance the way doctors do so that if the police officer does something an insurance company has to do the payout rather than us taxpayers that's probably a conversation for a whole nother day but uh some issues with that (laughs) (laughs) but the idea of of uh, as a city that we've paid out over you know 250 million dollars over the last five years just is kind of infuriating every time you, you 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 drive over like a pothole you see something that like <laughs> yeah. is, could be really like useful to a lot of us yeah and um, and then we have to pay for the dreadful mistakes of a couple of few who in many cases the time that they shot somebody inappropriately or something like that wasn't their first time of making a mistake 
but we just don't know because we're not allowed to see their disciplinarian yeah. files. Yeah. So this it, it's I don't think that in in many of these cases this was like the first time that an officer or a prosecutor or whatever had made a mistake that made it foreseeable that this kind of error could have been made. Yeah. So uh, part of that really pisses me uh-huh. the f off. Oh, wow, did we get through everything quickly? Did I miss anything? I think we got no, it I think we hit everything. Wow, okay. So if we have a few minutes, we could talk about Russia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe that's a story for another for for uh, for another show. Um, but well, there's some legal implications, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, how does this work constitutionally when when you know FBI director gets gets fired? How is an investigation supposed to well, continue? Well, we do know that constitutionally, Trump was allowed to fire Director Comey. So uh, it, yes, le- although legally he's in the clear as far as the actual firing is concerned. That part is true, although the norm is that these directors get like a 10-year tenure, and that it's bizarre for a director to be fired. The last time it happened was with Bill Clinton, and he fired for somebody who made very clear ethical breaches. Um, The timing of, I mean, there are Obviously, Comey just requested some additional money for the rest of the investigation. <laughs> right. And, and the question now about whether there should be a special prosecutor, which yeah. that's what Democrats believe. S- Republicans, there are like four of them that say yes. Others, including McConnell, who has way too much influence, says no. So the, the, the likelihood of justice being served in the Russia-Trump collusion story... Well, what do you think? I I, I say 100. percent I think everyone's yeah. on to this. Yes, yeah. I, know. I think it's everyone, a high percentage. Well, I think people are not going to stop chasing this dog. You know, they're, they're, everyone's on to the scent now. People are going to continue on it. Um, it's not going to just go away because of a big news story. Yeah. So I think people are going to we're going to be watching who he appoints. And I think even Republicans Probably alike. Probably Rudy Giuliani. But <laughs> I think he's going to, right, he's going yeah. to appoint someone who's loyal to him. That person's going to, you know, kind of I, I, trivialize I, the investigation. Okay, well, yeah. Let, let, and then, okay, no, you know, I actually don't even think, we're not finding If he appoints Rudy Giuliani, I say the impeachment begins the next day. Let's put it that way. You know, this is very not legal, but my, the, the biggest and uh, most important detail that's come out that has, pushed me more and more to be sure of Trump's guilt about knowing that there was collusion with Russia is reportedly his rage at screaming at the television about these Russia stories, that they have him incredibly frustrated. If you really didn't do anything, these would roll off your back, would they not? It's hard to explain the psychology. There is is so much to pay attention to yeah. when you're president, that if some well, people, the, if the department wants to investigate, listen, he pushed Barack Obama to release his birth certificate for yeah. how long? Well, Constantly I'm, pushing, pushing, I'm, pushing. I'm sure Can you imagine Barack Obama yelling at the television about that? He, he might have. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, yeah. he got angry when his daughter's clothes were pulled from Nord. I mean, he gets angry over anything. But Trump, Trump, yeah, exactly. So we know it's part of his behavior. So it's not like this is out of line for him. So it doesn't surprise me that he'd be angry about it, even so if he that, weren't involved. So that doesn't that doesn't tell you anything about the the 
guilt of his conscience. No, the, the secret meeting to do. <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah. Like, there's plenty of evidence to show that there's, like, some guilt there. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily put it on that, but, I, you know, just even not mentioning Kilsiak and the um, Spicer's press briefing about um, the meeting between the, um, the, Russian prime, uh, the Russian foreign minister. Just yeah. little things like that where they decide to omit Kilsiak's name from that. Yeah. So, I mean, how much faith do you have in whoever's now leading the FBI and the Department of Justice, led by Jeff Sessions, who has had to recuse himself? Yeah, but who essentially recommended the, the firing. firing to begin with. I mean, this really uh, the thing brings you, into question about how much justice we can I, uh, expect I, from this Justice Department. I almost think it's sort of like that antithetical problem I brought up before. It's like not, someone who's not in his inner circle is probably going to feel more pressure to be, you know, really above board. Um, because they really want to avoid the appearance of impropriety. There's going to be a hero FBI agent. Or some just not connected that feels like, well, I really have to go above and beyond so people know that I'm not part of this, you know, this sort of maelstrom of what's going on. So. Yeah. Yikes. Well, yeah, we'll That's... see. The, the next appointment will be interesting, but I have to imagine the team is smart enough to pick someone that we've never heard of and has never met Donald Trump. So, uh, <laughs> You actually think what? that that would be the case? You think no he's way. not going to pr- uh, choose one of his loyalists as he has in every single other appointment that he's I, done? I would be surprised if that happened. He doesn't care about the blowback that we're going to give him when he like chooses his nephew. Because it's nothing, be because, because nothing ever happens when people I, you know get upset about him not divesting of his properties, I, I, not if, putting if, things into a black. Like no, but if he, he, if no, he, he doesn't do anything, but this, this and, one, and I, it's not and nothing's going to change in this in this instance. I think when you're talking about um, the director of the FBI and you're talking about the blowback he's already gotten from Republicans, he, he's already gotten this blowback from true. Republicans who support Trump. He's because already gotten blowback Trump from them. Trump has to get his nominee confirmed yeah. by the Senate, and, and yeah, and so Trump Republicans have been like, whoa, this is crazy. So, um, so I... I <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't have I would be absolutely Jersey. shocked if this person had any history with the, Trump the beyond the last grace 100 days. The saving grace is any of the Senate Republicans who are up for re-election soon who are, like, put in the worst position that they're going to be called out for this, maybe even not elected yeah. again, or pissing off Trump. I, I would not... But yeah, I think we have an interesting situation. few days and weeks ahead of us. Interesting, fascinating. I mean, th- th- we're going to look back on this years later and being like, what a shit show of a time we were living through. If we're, <laughs> if we're still here. <laughs> <That's true laughs> we had uh, nukes from North Korea. We never know. Okay, well, on that happy note, we will leave you. And just in case you want to reach out to us between now and next week, you can find me at Chelsea Galicia on Twitter. Hi, you can find me at Ayamyams on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Shaka Strong on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Good night. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.